The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy is here. I am here. Tommy, can we start the show by finally dropping the Surgeon General's warning that you many years ago put into place? Be careful. Uh, Rooting for this team could cause harm to your health. Uh, Can we drop that finally? You can peel that sticker off and throw it away. (laughs) You can smoke again! Woo! Yes. Yes. There is no more Skipper Dan the Sailing Man. Mm. It's, oh, it's, well, again, it's over today. I mean, again, there's always the qualifier. I, I don't want to rain on, on the parade here. I mean, because this is a guy who, remember, left sour milk in the learner's suite because of a business deal he wasn't crazy about. So anything's possible. But they have it, they have it there. It's reported by Sportico that they have a sale agreement in principle. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, So we are doing this podcast um, early afternoon, uh, about 1.45 p.m. All right. We have been following the news. I got it right before I went off the air on radio that Sportico, uh, a pretty credible outfit, um, that Sportico was reporting that uh, the sale was – Done. I'll read you their um, their pre- their their tweet. Dan Snyder has reached an agreement in principle to sell the Commanders for six billion dollars to a group led by Philadelphia 76ers co-owner Josh Harris. Um, we've had Ian Rappaport since then uh, from the NFL Network, of course, uh, report that um, from the NFL right now, uh, Josh Harris's group is nearing a purchase of the Commanders for just under. $6 billion, sources say, nothing is done, final, agreed to, or submitted to the league. But Harris appears to be the choice, um, but a small step closer. Um, so it would appear as if, as of now, uh, Sportico is the one that has said that they have reached an agreement. Now, you know I've been hearing things for several weeks. You've been hearing things for several weeks. Everybody's been hearing several things for several weeks in the media, in the sports media in this town. And I've been saying, Josh Harris, something less than $6 billion, sooner rather than later, and it got later, I understand. Um, 
And I mentioned on the show yesterday that I am, you know, hearing now um, much sooner uh, than later. And then we got the Bezos news about that he was out. Um, I'm not so sure how far he was in, but Teddy Scheifler, who we had on the podcast last week from Puck News, who he covers Silicon Valley billionaires, had reported a week ago, or less, just less than a week ago, that you know Bezos was lurking. He even predicted on this podcast that Bezos would be the guy that would buy the team. And then he reported yesterday, and a lot of people jumped on it, including the Washington Post, that Bezos apparently had decided not to bid on the team. So, look, the net of it is that if the reporting on Bezos was accurate, it was only Josh Harris left. I don't think that anybody really, other than Josh Harris ever submitted a bid that Snyder would have accepted. Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, said on CNBC yesterday that he did uh, make an offer for $5.6 billion, and we've read about Apostolopoulos that the you know he doesn't have the financing in place. So there are a lot of people, and I've been in this group, that have expected Josh Harris to win the bidding. Let me just tell you one thing that I did learn since the announcement came out from Sportico. Um, is that <clears throat> now Rappaport saying just under six billion? Sportico is saying six billion dollars. What I learned is that, and it's kind of what I guessed, is it would be presented as six billion. Snyder wants six next to the B for this sale, um, but the price that Harris uh, is paying is five point eight five billion dollars. But there is a potential earnout for Snyder of 150 million that would get it to 6 billion. I don't know what that earnout is in terms of what's involved in that. Um I don't. I don't know if it has anything to do with further due diligence that if it uncovers things that they're not going to be responsible for as new owners. Uh, because I, I I think we did read, somebody reported that Snyder did not get the indemnification that he was looking for. Um, but I, you know, to me, that's, this is minutiae. 5.85 billion with yeah, $150 million, million dollar earn out look, or not. Look, the story here wants, is, is that Dan appears to, to be say, gone. If he wants to say he got $12 billion, <laughs> Let him say I don't it. think fans are going to give a rat's ass. Yes. You know? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Um, so this is the day. This, well, it's not the, it, 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 this is the first of probably many days in the coming weeks of feeling celebratory. This yeah. is the first one. But you know, you and I talked about this earlier in the week, I'm pretty sure. And I know I talked about this, um, with others that, you know, the months and months of, you know, since the bank of America news in November, that, the news of this was going to be a little bit anticlimactic. And I do feel like that because we're, we've been worn down by the reporting and the process. And Dan's been kind of wearing people down with, you know, finag- you know, haggling over whatever he's been haggling over and trying to get Bezos in to, to up the price or to actually give him the price that he wanted. But yeah, it, look, it, I, th- He's sell. We knew all along. I think he was selling the team. I guess there was always a chance something could happen, but it really seems like today, April thirteenth, twenty twenty three, is a day that will be remembered for the day that twenty four years of Snyder 
ended. You know, 24 years of literally sucking the life day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, sucking the life out of one of the most incredible, passionate fan bases in sports. We've talked about this so many times. Like if either one of us had said to each other in 1999, you know, in 24 years, (laughs) the Skins are going to have the lowest attendance in the league, and most of the people that go to the games are going to be rooting for the opponent. They're going to have one-third of the audience watching the games. No one's going to really care as much like they do. We both want each other drug-checked. Like, it's still his greatest accomplishment is chasing away this fan base. It couldn't happen a quarter of a century ago. A, a century ago, It was impossible for it to happen, but he did it. And like you've said so many times, Tommy, the damage inflicted and, and just, and now, you know, now we can start to hopefully recover and revive ourselves, yes. you know, and repair, recover, and, revive and repair. <laughs> there you go. The Absolutely. three R's. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, for you, you have two groups of people. You have the people who lived through the good times, the over-the-hill gang, the three Super Bowl championships under Joe Gibbs. Me. They know, they, yeah, they know what was lost, and that pain goes down to the bone because you know how good it could be. Okay, and then you've got the group that came after, and have only known this despair and dysfunction, and have had to listen to the stories of the glory days. They have this hollow emptiness that you know that can be that can't be filled, no matter how many times the team trotted out those Super Bowl trophies. You know that was a that was a re, what the, the the Super Bowl trophies was just a reminder of what they missed. Yeah. So you've got these two groups that are jumping for joy for very different reasons. The pain was different. Just as bad, probably, for both, but the pain was different. Yeah, I mean, as you said, for people like me who lived through all of those years, it just... It's hard to explain what a big part of our lives it was. And I've said this before, I'm sure, you know, it was an outsized and inappropriate part of our lives, but you know, that's what happens. Um, you have passions in life and some of them are, you know, passions that are diversions that, you know, and, 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 and rooting for sports is kind of a diversion, but it was, I mean, from the age of, you know, five years old, I mean, from birth for me, but I went to my first game at five years old. It was part of my overall, you know, anybody that knew me and knew people like me knew that the Redskins were a big part of, 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 our, of our lives. It was a big part of our conversations. And there was an incredible, um, an incredible, it's going to sound weird, but there, there's like this incredible confidence that comes with being a part, even as a fan, of a winner. 
it, there's it does something. And by the way, the kind of winner Washington was too, which you know I pointed out over the years that not only did they win, they won with brains, they won with class. You know, we were always we rooted for the team. Our team was the smartest team in the NFL, the classiest team in the NFL. You know, everything about it was regal. And it was um and there's been this slow kind of burn to near death. Well, you know what You know what he did? Uh Dan Snyder and there's no more Skipper Dan the sailing man anymore. You won't write about Skipper I mean, because, Dan anymore? No, no more Skipper Dan, because the whole point of that was to deflate this inflated person who was so enamored with himself, he made people call him Mr. Snyder. Right. Okay? Now he's, now he's just the disgraced, soon-to-be former owner, Dan Snyder. He doesn't need a nickname anymore. He's going to become invisible soon. You know? He'll be on an island spending his billion dollars, uh, checking check his, uh, his phone to see on Sundays to see if the team that he had to, he had to sell, uh, how they're doing. You know, but basically he held, like, what, what had become, and I know because I lived through it. I was here, I've been here since 83 in town, and I've been a football fan much longer. Uh, it was a family tradition oh to God. root for this team. And yeah. not just a family tradition, in a city Community. that had so many different interests, it was a unifying force. And he held that hostage. That's what he did. He held that happiness hostage. Yeah, he did. It was such, it, this, this incredible unifier for this city that's so fragmented in so many ways, like, you know... There's so many cities that are so much more parochial than this city, you know, and it and it and this city yes. had one thing that really unified it, and it was this team, and you know, you it, it was a family affair, it was a community affair. Um, it it brought every you know we people have said this over the years, obviously, but it brought everybody from every side of town, every demographic, and on Sunday afternoons, everybody was together. For the same reason, and uh, yes. and he ruined it. He 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 was the as the owner of the team. Look, there are lots of people he brought in that helped, but he brought them in. He ruined it, and it was impossible for it to be ruined. That's why I've said for years now. And somebody actually said, uh, I forget who it was. Said you know. Used used my line, but claimed it for themselves. But whatever. But I've for years, Tommy. I've said Harvard Business School, Wharton, all of them should do case studies on this franchise. How to chase a a passionate customer uh, base away in twenty years or less? Because it was near impossible what he did, and there are so many lessons from it. So many lessons from it. I don't know what the number one lesson would be for him, but I think narcissism is not changeable, maybe, but it was the root of of all of it. You know, there was... There was... um, about, like, the people, there were other people involved, people he brought in, uh, people 
who would tell Dan Snyder what he didn't want to hear weren't there very long. No. That's no. not who he wanted around him. No. You know, and so they've got, they, they basically had a building full of weasels. You know, led by the head weasel. Yeah, like we've said for so many years, the worst combination in a person or in a business is being arrogant and, and being limited intellectually. And this was this organization from the time he took it over. They did so many dumb things, but they were so full of themselves that they could never admit that it was them who was dumb because it was somebody else's fault. It was always somebody else's yes. fault. Uh, Even Bruce, his good buddy Bruce, as soon as he was out the door and the whole congressional investigation started after the Post stories, it was all Bruce's fault. It's just unbelievable. All Bruce's fault, yeah. All Bruce's fault. It was always somebody else's fault. It was all Zorn's fault. It was all Marty's fault. It was all Zorn's fault, all Vinny's fault, all Mike's fault, all Bruce's fault. it It was never Gibbs's fault, though, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Gibbs's fault. Um, nope. uh, by the way, you know, um, I did this call segment this morning on the show and I said, because I had said yesterday, I think I may have said, I said it on the podcast too, but I said, you know, I don't know. A parade to me seems a bit distasteful. And our good friend Paulie from the seven five seven sent me a note and just said, distasteful. Kicking a man while he's down, he's taking $6 billion. We're going to party like it's 1999. So I did this segment. I said, do you want a parade for real? Like, do you really want to go to that extreme? Because I don't really think that that's what you do. I mean... Well, I've I've got the opportunity for you to do it. Actually, uh, uh, November April 29th. The draft party at National Harbor. There's a draft That's party. When Commander fans should organize a parade at National Harbor. I know, but you over, know what I'm talking about. We've been Snyder talking about there will no, be. No, 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 no. You can't. You can't take the high road when when you're dealing with this guy. You better drive on the same low road he's on. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I knew that would be your answer. Yeah, I mean, there is nobody that takes, you know, more pleasure in the misery of others than you. Um, I, 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 so only for people who deserve it. Yeah, well, he deserves only for it. people who deserve it. You and know, he deserves a lot of it. Here, the, the guy from Fox Business News, Charles Gasparino, who has admitted that, you know, he's friends with the Snyder during all of his reporting, he tweeted out moments ago, this is what Dan Snyder is saying to his hater today. I bought the Commanders for $800 million and just sold it for $6 billion. Suck on that. I just quote tweeted it, win-win, uh, because it's a win for both of us. You know, it's a win for him yeah, financially, but, but, uh, but it but is a he, bigger win for he, us. He doesn't want to sell the team. Exactly. You know, that's that. so it, it's a win, but it's not a win for him, because if it was up to him, left to his own devices, he wouldn't be selling the team. Eight hundred million, six billion in twenty-four years. Not bad. I get that. Not but, a bad like, return like on say, investment. Like us poor people say about rich people, but are they happy, Kevin? Well, 
Money doesn't buy happiness, Tommy. I wouldn't know, and you wouldn't know. Uh, right. But but there's certainly a lot of you know. Look, money doesn't make you smart, uh, and money doesn't necessarily make you happy. And he's not happy that he's been forced into this situation. Uh, and I would say over the years he's done enough dumb things to say that he isn't brilliant. I'm not saying he's not innately intelligent because I bet he is, but he's done a lot of dumb things for somebody who's innately intelligent. Um, yes. That's for sure. Yeah, yes, 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 he has. Now, what's interesting is the team already has an event scheduled for tonight. At, at I'm going to call it FedEx Field. I'm getting off Ghost Town Field. Okay. No, now, don't get off it quite yet, because it, no, what? I'm giving because I'm giving these guys a clean slate to turn it around. Right. You know, it's. I mean, I don't expect them to turn it around quickly, but I mean, Ghost Town Field spoke to the ownership of the team as much as the stadium. Okay. Tonight, Eric Bieniemy is holding, I guess, a chat at the stadium with Commanders fans. Is he really? You know, it's like um, yes. Which is actually, this is the kind of thing they should be doing, and they should have been doing all along. This is smart, okay? At the last minute, they get smart. Uh, he's having a beat with, with Commanders fans tonight to talk about his offense, his offensive philosophy, things like that. So I'll be curious how that unfolds, given the news of today. You know, how fans, if they go through with it, how fans will react to that event given the news we have today. And then, like I said, there's the April 29th draft party, which I think will be more of a celebration of the sale of the team than anything else. But, yeah, they're doing an event tonight, which, which I think is smart. Uh, putting Eric the enemy out there as the face of the team, I think it's a smart idea. So I, I just, let me give somebody credit walking out the door for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean – Look, when you do things the right way and you're winning, you don't necessarily need these things. But when you're trying to acquire new customers and reacquire old customers, these things are smart to do. Yes, um, yes they are. So, uh, you know, we're sitting here doing this uh, podcast all the while, you know, trying to follow all of the news that's breaking uh, Michael Phillips has just reported there is an agreement in principle. It's happening um, with the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, I just read one of the Gasparino, uh, Charles Gasparino tweets. Here's another one from the Fox Business uh, News Network uh, correspondent. Um, and again, um, he is uh, close to the Snyders. This, you know, he's made no bones that basically he's friendly with Dan and Tanya Snyder. So the the implication, I think, or the takeaway is that a lot of his information has been coming from Snyder. Uh, he tweeted out, Dan Snyder will today submit to the NFL a fully financed, agreed-upon $6.050 billion bid for the commanders by Josh Harris. Deal is not signed and will need league review. Others still interested. Snyder is not seeking any indemnification from the NFL Jeff Bezos never bid. Story still developing. Um, the, uh, you know, um, 
I, I mean, Snyder really, I mean, he is hell bent on this thing being presented as $6 billion, or in this case, 6.050. 6.050. I mean, I, I think what's been happening here, Tommy, for the last two to three weeks is they've been haggling over like $150 million. That's a lot of money, I understand, but it's a tiny percentage of the overall sale price. Uh, but again, to your point, and I, I agree with this, th- that's not the story today. Who cares what it is sold for? Um, and uh, yeah, uh, here's another thing from Gasparino. Man, he is a Snyder fan. My brother is a lifelong Redskins slash Commanders fan, and even he's impressed that Snyder's investment in this team beat the return on the S&P by a lot. <laughs> Oh my God, God. he's got he's got a fan. There he is. Him and Ivan yeah. uh are the two. Um it's I think we're here. I think the day think has come are. and now you I know think it has. The day that we we probably you know, a couple years ago, given his age and his personality, we never thought this was coming. No. New York Times now. He's Dan Snyder agrees to sell for six billion uh, to the Harris Group. New York Times now reporting yeah, he, it. I mean, he's a relatively young man, uh, you know, and uh, you know it, it's difficult and obstinate, and uh, we just figured, well, he ain't going anywhere. You're just going to have to settle for the occasional, you know, uh, winning successful season and live with that. Uh, that that the NFL, you know, uh, has built into it. But it just shows you that circumstance, you know, the unpredictability of the future. Uh, and let's get, let's give credit. This started with the Washington Post. This started with the Post and their stories about the, uh, yeah. the women and the employees who, who, you know, who felt they were abused by a toxic workplace and then sexual harassment. Uh, allegations, which immediately drove away, you know, several employees right from the start uh, were forced out. Uh, but that's where this all began. It, it did, and I can appreciate, you know, that, that you're giving them credit, but it also, he was going to survive that. Uh, what really, yes, he was. what really got him was, as we've discussed before, kind of this boomerang that he threw out there, which was, you know, if you believe this to be true, leaking the Bruce Allen, uh, John Gruden emails uh, to the Wall Street Journal, and then the New York Times wrote about it, and that was the root cause of what came afterwards, which were, you know, the House Oversight and Reform Roundtable and their their investigation, um, and, you know, led to, obviously, um, the... Uh, 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 the, 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 the testimony, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm, right. I'm, I'm choking That's on okay. this. You're a little the, bit too excited. The, the, the testimony <laughs> of, you know, people like Jason Friedman and Tiffany Johnston, um, which led to another big time, you know, investigation, and that's why we're here. I'm not saying that the post yes. story, yes, it is, but but it, no. but he had no, started but, to kind of, yeah, he had recovered a little yes. bit from that. Yes, he had. Yes, he had. And basically, he. But this—that—that's the perfect example of who he is. How this got revived. How the embers—they were down to embers, maybe, 
and they got they got blown up into full flame again by his own hand. Right. By leaking those emails, which which made it in terms of the oversight committee an NFL issue, you know. But it never really was an NFL issue. It was it was a Washington Commanders Dan Snyder issue. Right. I mean, without the without that, which. Um, got everybody else going once again on all of these allegations. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, yeah, I mean, we've been through this a lot. He, 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 he sunk himself in many ways. Um, but eventually, like you said, one of your favorite, you know, sayings about Dan Snyder, the passage of time really never was going to help this franchise. So eventually something else would have happened. You know, whether, you know, if Tiffany Johnston and Jason Friedman didn't come forward and Mary Jo White didn't start her investigation, something else would have eventually the aura, happened. The, the aura of self-destruction. Yeah. Uh, which hopefully now will be lifted. What are you, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do with your life now? Are you going to retire? Uh, <laughs> no. No, look, at, I could write happy. I covered a, a, a baseball team that won a World Series, okay? I can write happy, okay? I, I mean, it, granted, it will be, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm putting away all the tools, all the nicknames, all the fun stuff, you know, because it's a new day, you know? Are you ready so, for this? Uh, I'm capable are, are you, of we, that. We got more news here. We got more news. Adam Schefter, you oh. ready for this one? Have, are you seeing this? Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos and his family are still in the mix for the Commanders, with one source telling ESPN that it's a head-to-head race. It's anyone's game. No deal has been signed, sources tell ESPN, and any deal has to be submitted and approved by league owners. Well, we understand that part of it. We We know that. Yeah, we understand that the, the closing didn't happen today. Um, right, but remember, but, I mean, yeah. everyone is reporting agreement in principle. Yeah, but now, now ex- the one problem is 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 Dan Snyder doesn't have many principles. <laughs> right, but Adam Schefter had just just dropped something else into the conversation that it's yes, not Josh did. Harris. Definitely. Now, look, he's the one that said a few weeks ago that Harris and Apostolopoulos had the fully funded $6 billion bids in. And now he's saying they're still in the mix. One source saying it's head-to-head. Um, so, yeah. Okay. That's the risk of doing a podcast without having all of the information in. But this is, you know, this is our podcast today. We're not going to go back and start over, are we? No. No, because I don't not for know some Canadian. <laughs> not for some Canadian. What we no. like our neighbors to the north. Come on. No, I do. I love Canadians. Actually, I actually do too. They they yes. they they frequent the west coast of Florida a lot. You've noticed that, right? The east coast of Florida oh. is definitely New York, Boston, D.C. It's the Northeast. The west coast of Florida are all the Midwesterners and the Canadians. Oh, there was a Canadian that hung out. At uh, Kenny D's, was there every karaoke night? He was the life of the party, man. Digging your you stuff. Know, I used to love. To, I used to love to hear his his 
his Canadian accent too. He was a funny guy. Yeah, yeah they 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 basically take over uh, that section of Florida. Yeah, they do. Um, all right, uh, Josh Harris. Uh, we'll put the Steve Apostolopoulos Schefter thing on hold for right now. Let's talk about Josh Harris uh, when we come back and what. Uh, this group uh, will be like his owners. We had Howard Gutman on the show a while back, and he spelled it out. We'll talk a little bit more about it when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. Can we go down there and celebrate the, the big news? Cigars. Where else, great where else wine, are you going to go? Great wine. Phenomenal menu. Yes. Where else are you going to go in D.C. to light up a cigar and celebrate? There is no place else, okay? You have a drink and, and celebrate with, with, with a smoke. That, that Dan Snyder is, is on the way out. Shelly's back room, that's the place to do it. You know, uh, that, that on 1331 F Street Northwest. Uh, yeah, and actually, on a beautiful, uh, warm day like this, I, I, I wish I was outside right now puffing on a cigar. They have a great outdoor seating area on F Street at, at Shelley's as, as well. But uh, they have a great selection of cigars to pick from, great selection of whiskeys, like Kevin was saying. The wine, Kevin being a wine connoisseur. <laughs> no, I'm not. He knows all about that. <laughs> I'm not. You know, and they have an excellent menu. If there's any celebration party to be held for Dan Snyder selling the Washington Commanders, Shelley's back room is the place to go. And actually, they can accommodate private parties up to 250 people. Ooh, that, so that'd be a hell of a celebration. That'd be a hell of yes. a celebration. Yes. Uh, Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest. You can find them on Shelly'sBackRoom.com. They have great Pie Knot Noir. Um, all right, so <laughs> so um, let's continue with this podcast, assuming that the news first reported by Sportico that there is an agreement in place for Josh Harris to buy the Washington Commanders for, let's just call it $6 billion, um, is what happens here, and you know, also reported <clears throat> by the New York Times, New York Times, and others as well. Uh, Adam Schefter just coming in with the Apostolopoulos uh, bid. Apparently, they feel they're still in this, and it's anybody's uh, game here. But 
whatever. We're, we're headed towards you know um, new ownership here in Washington, which will be great. And I just wanted to remind everybody that you know an agreement in principle, there's still you know weeks to go. You know the league has to approve. Uh, the new owners with a three-quarters vote uh, by all of the other owners in the league. And there's lots of legal documents and more due diligence and lots of stuff to happen before there will be a closing date in which they'll sign the final documents, they'll sign the team over to to the Harris Group, and Harris and company will wire $5.85 billion or $6.05 billion or whatever it is to Dan Snyder's account. And then, by the way, Dan's uh, Dan owes some money to the league. I, hopefully, they are senior debt, and they are you know they get paid directly by Harris before it goes to Snyder. Because I'll tell you what, I I'd hate to be a receivable for Dan Snyder, any company owned by Dan <laughs> Snyder. Um, Josh Harris, um, I think many of you know by now, uh, grew up in Chevy Chase, went to the field school, which is a high school over you know, off of Fox Hall Road, um, and then went to uh, Wharton, went to Harvard where he got his MBA, uh, and he co-founded Apollo Global Management um, with uh, uh, two gentlemen, Leon Black and Mark Rowan, um, which was a private equity uh, group, and they made a lot of money uh, in running that private equity group. As of April 2023, um, his net worth... Uh, is estimated by Forbes to be around $6 billion. Um, Bloomberg estimates it to be about $7.6 billion. He led investment groups as the lead investor, just like he is in the purchase of Washington's football team. Uh, He was the lead investor in the purchasing of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Uh, in terms of American sports. He's also a general partner in Crystal Palace FC of the Premier League, and he's currently, and he'll have to obviously um, sell his shares uh, of this, but he's currently a small stakeholder in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the NFL knows Josh Harris. They have vetted Josh Harris. They vetted him for the Denver sale. They vetted, vetted him for his small stake in the Steelers. By the way, it's interesting that being a small stakeholder in the Steelers now will produce, I think, two out of the last three NFL new owners. David Tepper was a small stakeholder in the Steelers. I don't know if the Walton Penner group, if anybody there was a small stakeholder in the Steelers, but you know, you 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 cut your teeth at a really good organization, and they get to know you a little bit, and that opens up the door for buying you know, a team like Washington. Um, The 76ers and the Devils both had excellent years this year. Uh, He's been called more of a hands-off owner, you know, hiring uh, people and letting them do the job. Obviously, they went through the process in Philadelphia with him as the owner. And we've heard, you know, a lot about Josh Harris from Howard Gutman, our good friend, who spoke you know, in depth about his relationship with Mitchell Rails, um, the co-founder of Danaher Group with his brother Stephen Rails. And Mitchell Rails is, we believe to be, not only a co-investor, but the second biggest investor. And, you know, he will eventually become the second biggest shareholder 
um, in the team. And Howard, you know, said Mitchell Rails would not get into business with Josh Harris for a team like this. Um, and his his existence in the deal speaks volumes of Josh Harris. Look, we don't know enough. We don't know how he will be as an NFL owner. We don't know, you know, whether or not he'll hire the right people. I think the one thing that we know, and we've said this all along, is there's no chance that it could ever be worse than it's been for the last quarter century. Um, but the fact that he's owned sports teams, he'll be vetted by the NFL, he's known by the NFL – you know, he'll have Magic Johnson in the bid, Mitchell Rails in the bid. Here's, here's what we know. We know a lot, lot more about Josh Harris than we did about Dan Snyder so in 1999. True. So true. I mean, so that should make everyone feel a lot better. I mean, you know, Dan Snyder was such an unknown, you know, uh, in 1999. He was He was... In the original bid, he was not even the lead guy. He was part of the Milstein bid. Right. You know, we heard of the Milsteins. Everyone knew about them. I mean, we didn't know about this kid from uh, from uh, D.C. or Bethesda or Rockville. No. Where is he from? It's, yeah, he grew up in, so, Beth- in Bethesda, Rockville. Went to Woodward yeah. High School. Um, yeah. And, so so yeah. we know a lot more about Josh Harris. There's a lot more to measure what we expect of him. Here's what we know, too. We know that putting together this kind of bid for the commanders, you know, for $5.85 to $6 billion, wasn't easy. Josh Rails couldn't write the check on his own. He couldn't write the Josh check. Harris. Josh Harris, excuse me, couldn't write the check on his own. He couldn't write the check, you know, just with Mitchell Rails. They probably could have combined to write the whole thing, but... There are going to be uh, other significant limited partners. I shared with everybody last week that I learned that Magic Johnson wasn't just, you know, a a face of this group. He is going to be a significant investor to the tune of, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, th- you know, three times or more what he spent for the Dodgers, which was fifty million, so Magic's going to be in for one hundred and fifty to two hundred million. I know that's not, you know, that's still a small fraction, but Magic may end up being the third largest shareholder uh, in the group. But we know that they, you know, had to put together a lot of investors, limited partners, to get into position that they had a fully funded bid to make, and because of that. You know, you start thinking about the stadium and can they actually just build a stadium without any help? And I think maybe the answer is no. And so what what does that mean for D.C.? And, and then to add to that conversation, Tommy has talked about that neighborhood's a different neighborhood and there will be a fight to keep a stadium out and to get the zoning that you need. And it, it won't be as easy as just getting rid of Dan to get the D.C. stadium. Uh, you know, will they take a deal in Loudoun County because Virginia will want to do business with new owners and will contribute significantly to the new stadium? Or will they do it in Maryland because they'll get more uh, 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 of a buy-in from Maryland for the new stadium than they will for D.C.? But this is different than Jeff Bezos owning the team. Jeff Bezos doesn't need any help. He's worth $130 billion. 
You know, Josh right. Harris is worth between six and seven billion, and likely two billion of his liquidity is going into this team, or near two billion dollars. So, well, listen, as far as the the uh, facility to play in, it's important to note that Josh Harris right now is in a fight in Philadelphia for a new downtown arena for the 76ers. Right. The 76ers are tenants uh, at Wells Fargo Center. They don't own their own place. Right. They want to own their own place in Center City, Philly, in the Chinatown District, and that's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, There are other people involved in it, significantly wealthy people besides Josh Harris, but they're in a real political fight for that arena uh, from residents and, and Chinese businessmen in that district. So, yeah, I mean, to, to fight uh, financially and politically on two fronts for a sports facility, it's going to be kind of tough. I think still, I said all along because of Snyder being so offensive, now I still think that this is a, I still think this is a favorite place, what it will wind up happening. I still think they'll build it right next to FedEx Field. I think they may build it closer to the Metro stop out there, you know, and as part of a development where they would develop, like, restaurants and shops between the stadium and the Metro stop out there. I think that right now it's a mile away. I think, uh, you know, I think they try to build it closer to the Metro stop. Uh, and I think that's still the path of least resistance. Um, you know, I, I talked about this months ago. Uh, that I let me just say this: I think Mitchell Rails will understand more than anybody, and maybe Josh Harris will uh, also. Uh, but Howard Gutman told us a few weeks ago, Mitchell Rails and his brother Stephen were dropped off at the bus uh, at a bus stop, and they took the bus down to RFK. RFK is important to Mitchell Rails as it is to me and many others of, of, of a generation of spending a lot of Sundays and Monday nights in RFK Stadium. I mean, I still think that that is a game changer compared to the other two locations. But it's more important, actually, to build a winning team. And so, you know, I, I, I talked to, I did, I think I did this with you. I forget if I did this with you or not. I, I created a top 10 list of things that I want in my new owner. This was back when they did the, you know, when the Bank of America um, announcement was made. And, you know, I said, number one is I just want the brand of the organization to be winning, you know, and winning Super Bowls. I don't want the brand of the team to be as Will Misselbrook had said at the time, you know, we're more than just a football team. You know, if your team name is an animal, you are kind of restricted. The name Commanders allows us to go into much bigger space, media, food, fashion, pop culture, and music. Um, I want the brand to be winning and winning Super Bowls. I don't want to hear from the Will Misselbrooks of the world about going into pop culture, music, fashion, food, and media until we've won at least three more Super Bowls. Then it's appropriate to talk about what, you know, expanding the brand. You can't even draw people to your stadium and you're talking about expanding the brand. 
um, ballsy. But maybe that was the that was the point is that we couldn't expand it based on our football team. We had to expand <laughs> it in other areas. Which, by the way, you know, is what Jason Wright told me. You know, when he got hired and and I, you know, I I met with him. He said, "I've got to build an or uh, I've got to build an organization that's losing resilient." That's my that that's my mantra is I can't worry about what the other side of the building does. I have to generate revenue, so we'll do it any way we can. I want the owner to hire a lead football person, you know, aka a general manager, and I want that person to let that general manager hire all of the football people. I don't want ownership involvement in hiring of head coach and making football decisions. I want an owner who gives the football people total autonomy on football things and isn't meddlesome. By the way, Tommy, I had Steve Spurrier on the podcast yesterday. Yeah. Did I tell you that? How was that? No, I I, I retweeted it for you yesterday. So you didn't listen to it. You never listened to it. Um, it was good, but he was very reluctant to, to, to really talk about the past much. But anyway, um, I, you know, I want an owner who figures out a way to get a stadium at RFK. I want an owner that takes the brand that currently is the commanders and does a do over. Uh, I want an owner that isn't and doesn't want to be the face of the franchise. Like, I want the faces of the franchise to be football people, not owners, not people like Jason Wright, no offense, uh, but you know, nobody else knows the chief you know, business person in their, in their football organization, but everybody knows Jason Wright. I want an owner who doesn't want to be on the sidelines during the games. Okay, I want that kind of owner. And by the way, to be fair, Dan's been a recluse for years. He hasn't wanted to be the face of anything or the voice of anything. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, I want an owner who treats customers like customers. One of the biggest complaints over the 24 years from anybody that's ever done business with this organization is they never treated us like customers. They treated us like we were lucky to be doing business yeah. with them. It was that arrogance. Um, and, uh, you know, bottom line is I want an owner, Tommy, who when he, Josh Harris, steps to the podium to accept the Lombardi trophy, it's the first time we've seen him or heard from him since training camp. That's what I want. <laughs> um, I don't know. There were other things I had on my list. I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm going off what I remember from the list. But um, anyway... Uh, yeah. But owners, and in, in today's NFL, owners are involved. I mean, Jeff Lurie is involved in the Eagles. I mean, you know, I mean. He, but Howie I Roseman mean, Cork, makes the big decisions. Howie yes, Roseman I mean, Cork, makes the trades. Cork had to sign off on, uh, that, on Joe that, Gibbs. That's different. I understand that. You know, before you pay, you know, before you make a trade for Aaron Rodgers and pick up $60 million in salary, the owner's got to be consulted. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. Um, All right. uh, Let's let's talk a little bit of football. We'll we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit of football. Uh, Tommy had some issue with Twitter. And then I'm going to have, and Tommy's not going to participate in this because we're having some issues with our phones, so we can't do a three-way interview. But I'm going to have Eben Ivy Williams, the reporter from Sportico, who broke the news on the show to end the show. All of that coming up right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC and you can cash in and cash out quickly with MyBookie. It's perfect for the NBA playoffs. Gave you another winner yesterday with the Bulls plus the points. Tommy, I've given out three NBA play-in round games, all three of them winners, three underdogs, uh, all winners. Um, and by the way, you had another. You, actually, the underdogs are 4-0 in the play-in round uh, right now with Oklahoma City win, winning last night outright as well as an underdog against New Orleans. Uh, but use my promo code, Kevin DC. You wager your deposit amount one time, you're eligible to cash out uh, you can only do that at my bookie if you use my promo code Kevin DC. Um, you just were telling me something during the break. What happened to you on Twitter yesterday? On Twitter last night, all of a sudden, I started getting followers like ants going to an ant hill. I mean, it was just like like a hundred every every uh, uh, like half hour or something like that. How did you know that? I mean, How did you recognize a- that? Well, because I would, they, I, they were clearly phony ones. In other words, I would go on Twitter, and there'd be like 200 likes on, on something I posted. Oh. And, you know, and, and, and they, they, they were all these new followers. And they're all obscure names, you know, made-up names. Some of, the, some of them were in Arabic language. Uh, some of them were Spanish, written. You know, they want, some of them had two followers, some of them had three followers, and it was just nonstop. And I had to go on Google to figure out. I mean, I complained to Twitter. I filed reports to Twitter. That's useless. 
I mean, because that's a nightmare these days. But I, I found on Google the way to stop it was to make my Twitter account private. Now, it's only people who are, who are followers now can see it. And anyone who wants to follow me would have to be approved. And that stopped it finally. You know, um... Meanwhile, I've got 500 phony followers, and it's taken me forever. I have to go block every one of them. Oh, boy. You know, what do you ask me to do every time you have a column out? Retweet it. And, Simple retweet. Right, and I always retweet it. Sometimes you have to tell me that it's out there, um, but I always retweet it. But uh, I just noticed, because I was looking at your text as you were... Yeah. Uh, you said... Yeah. Will you retweet my thing? I tried to retweet your thing. I could not retweet your wizards column. And I just went to do it again. It won't let me retweet it. It is dulled out. Go to your... God, this is so boring for people. Go to the tweet of your story and you will see, unless I already retweeted it, but usually it'll just be lit up, you know, in a color. I can't retweet your column. I can't retweet your column. I think you're making stuff I up here. swear to you. Because when you when I saw that well, you maybe, asked me to do maybe it. That, well, maybe that happened because I made it private. Although you follow me. You do follow me, don't you? Yeah. Of course I follow you. <laughs> what? It says that I'm following you. You want me to unfollow you and follow you again? No, no, no. You can't do that okay. unless I approve it. All right. Uh... Well, it I don't won't, know if I'd actually, it. actually, right now, let me just find things you've. It won't let me retweet any of your tweets. Yeah, that's because it's private now. Okay. And I got to keep it that way for probably another day or so before I can take that off. Until you keep just these to make sure foreign intruders away from you. You, you know, know, I just think it's the, the lunatic running Twitter. It's of just course, chaos. Um. So there was a, a reporter for Sports Illustrated for SI.com uh, named David Harrison who wrote that the commanders must draft quarterback Hendon Hooker from Tennessee and bench Sam Howell, that Hooker over Howell makes a lot of sense. This isn't the first you know, report uh, that Washington should be interested in, might even be considering Hendon Hooker uh, in the draft, but... If they drafted Hendon Hooker, even if it were in the second round at 47 overall, or if they traded up into the second round, you can kiss all of the, we believe in Sam Howell, we've been high on Sam Howell, we had Sam Howell as a first or second round grade last year. You can kiss all of that goodbye. And I'm the biggest advocate of continuing to swing big, and I would love it if they drafted a quarterback that they really fell in love with. But the bottom line is they've been pitching and selling so hard on Sam Howell that if they draft a guy like Hendon Hooker in the first two rounds, I would say if they draft a quarterback in the first three rounds, well, then that is confirmation that they really don't know whether or not Sam Howell is the guy or not, and they've been bullshitting us all along which I don't think they've been bullshitting us all along on Sam Howell. I don't, I don't think that's it. I think they do like him, and I think when they drafted him, they liked him. But this insistence on making themselves look so smart – 
because he went 11 for 19 in a game and beat the Cowboys in the season finale. And now, you know, backtracking to say we had first and second round grades and Ron Rivera talking about all the mock drafters that he reached out to say, hey, what did you have on him? And all of them had higher grades. You drafted him in the fifth round. You drafted Percy Butler before you drafted Sam Howell. I want them to keep swinging and bring in as much competition, but if they end up picking a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, I'm not talking about Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I'm talking about Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is in the next tier of guys right now, and I know that he may you know, move up into the first round so that they get the fifth year on him. You know, a team at the end of the year drafting kind of a project guy or a guy. Not, I don't want to call the, uh, Hooker a project guy. He had great success and was a Heisman Trophy winner before he tore his ACL. But, man, if they were to pick Hendon Hooker, Tommy, I say first three rounds, that is proof that they've been completely winging it bullshit style on Sam Howell. Certainly the head coach has been doing it. I would agree. I would agree, but I think that's the case uh, no matter what they do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. If they end, like if they were to trade up for Will Levis or trade up for Anthony Richardson or pick one of those two if they drop to them at 16, that's different. That's different. You know, because those guys right now are not nearly the question mark that Hendon Hooker is. I know they brought Hendon Hooker in, and there's a lot of discussion about Hendon Hooker, you know, as a possible Washington pick, you know, but I don't see it personally. I just don't see I don't see how Ron backtracks on all of the pitching he's been doing on Sam Howell. If you picked Air if you picked Anthony Richardson, it's like, look, we just had him so high up on our board. And he fell to us at 16, and we love Sam, and Sam's going to get a shot. But you know, we're bringing in as many people as we can until we're a hundred percent sure we found one. But if it's Hooker or if it's somebody like Tanner McKee in the third round, uh-uh. Um, we're we here. We think that Josh Harris, being in the league, okay, already a minority owner with the Steelers, has a pipeline. To personnel and information, do we think he has a management team already in mind? I don't know. That's what I wanted to get to next. Um, who stays for now? Let's say that he takes control of the team, like post league meetings at the end of next month, where you know the, the the league votes and everything's finalized. They close and he takes over. Nobody on the football side is leaving. It's too late. Uh, Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy and uh, Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and all, I think the football side stays. I think the interesting part will be what happens to Jason Wright and his team. You know, do they have a business team and preferred people to bring in to run the business side of the organization? And they'll make their calls on the football side, you know, after 2023. Or if they start off slowly, one and five, one and six, maybe, you know, at some time during the season where they, they'll start let, start letting people go. But I, I think more interestingly will be what happens out of the gate with the people that we know that in most cities they don't know, people like Jason Wright and Gene Medina, uh, who's their director of communications, 
and some of their key, you know, the new chief financial officer who took, I forget what's his name's uh, place. Like those are the kinds of people that they could have replacements for. They could have a management team that they're ready to bring in. By the way, they could have a head football person that they want to bring in, and that head football person won't make a decision until the end of next year, but will, you know, indoctrinate himself into the organization and get to know everybody that's there. That's possible, I guess, Tommy, you know, to bring in a, 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 a football, you know, um, you know, a, a, a chief football I, I person. I think it's possible. I think it's possible say they could still but... make uh, football moves Not on the coaching staff and the general manager staff. I don't. I don't think that they're going to fire. I think it, dep- it depends on who on who they have in mind. Who do you think could be a coach? I don't could... know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what I'm saying. Like Josh Harris knows probably, or at least has a pipeline for the knowledge of who are the hot assistants right now in the NFL, and does he want to grab his now before they're all uh, up for grabs next year? I think it's possible that they could bring in a football person, um, a football executive, a lead football executive. I think that's possible. And that could mean Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, and others could be in trouble. But I bet as it relates to the football team, coaches, players, etc., I don't think anything's going to happen until we get into the season at least and probably not until the end of next year, you know, unless they really suck next year. Probably not. But if I had a chance to hire Jim Harbaugh, I'd do it on July 30th. I, I look. You want to sell some tickets? You want to sell? You want to sit, get people back in that stadium? Hire that guy. How many people are going to be back in that stadium anyway? Like, let's think about the opener. Like, you know, imagine the Sunday night opener is against the Cowboys. That opener could be could be one that I'd even want to go to, and I haven't been to a game since before the pandemic. Oh yeah. That would be must must be there for that, absolutely. Yeah, maybe we'll go together. That would be fun. All right. Um, do you have anything else for me? Because I'm going to bring Eben Novi Williams on from Sportico uh, to find out all about what he reported and what he knows, and maybe there's even an update to the story uh, here for the end of the podcast. Uh, anything else from you? No, I got nothing else for you, boss. All right, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. All right, jumping on with us right now is Eben Novi Williams. He writes for Sportico. He broke the news earlier today that Dan Snyder has reached an agreement to sell the commanders to Josh Harris, the Josh Harris group, with Mitchell Rails and with Magic Johnson and other limited partners for $6 billion. All right, so let's just start with the obvious, Eben. Tell us what you guys learned specifically. There is, as you said, there is a deal in place in principle. They are still hammering out, from what I understand, kind of the finer, the finer tooth comb legal parts with, with legal teams on both sides. Uh, and then once that happens, the contract gets shipped over to the NFL. The NFL takes a look at it. Um, but what I was told is that this is likely on track to have all the, the, the I's dotted, the T's crossed, um, and have a signed agreement at some point early next week. 
So just for everybody that doesn't understand how this works, this signed agreement when, so they've reached an agreement in principle. They haven't signed this agreement yet, but there's, but there's still a process after an agreement's in place for Josh Harris to buy the team, which would include things like the league's owners, you know, voting three quarters would have to vote. Uh, for Josh Harris's bid to be approved, that that you're yeah. not saying that that'll be wrapped up at this point. That, that will not be wrapped up uh, in, in the next two days. No, although I do think a lot of those things are going to happen faster than they often do for other sales, and I say that for two reasons. One, Josh Harris is already a minority owner in the Steelers, so he has already been vetted to a degree by the NFL already. It's a bit stricter of a vetting process when you go from minority to control owner, but Josh is not someone who I think is going to have any trouble or need any kind of advanced scrutiny in terms of his finances, where he got his money, et cetera. Um, and then the second thing is, and this is no this is no, no surprise to, to you or any of your listeners, but there are a lot of people at the NFL that, that are excited about the prospect of someone not named Dan Snyder owning this team moving forward. And I don't say that to, to, to imply that they would cut any corners in terms of that process. But I think if there are ways to speed that process up, I think the NFL is going to be amenable to getting all those things done so that they can get this deal signed, delivered, have an announcement, and, and move forward with Josh Harris as the new control owner of the Commanders. All right. So what? why today? Why did it happen quickly? There was all the reporting on Bezos yesterday dropping out. You know, many of us thought Snyder was potentially using Bezos as a way to try to drive up the price. Maybe he's using even Apostolopoulos for that. Give me your thoughts on all of that stuff and why now? I think the truth is that, and I don't know how many, I don't know for sure how many other bidders were there, but from what I understand, this process has been fairly stagnant for the past few weeks, that that Dan had an idea of where uh, Tillman Fertitta and his group was, both from a financing and from a pricing standpoint. And I, I know that Josh Harris and his group have been pretty clear about what they thought this team was worth for a while now as well. Jeff Bezos, who you mentioned, was the the big question, the, the multi-hundred billion dollar uh, cloud looming over this whole process. And my guess is that once Dan understood that there was not going to be a, an offer here from Jeff Bezos, and, and once groups like Josh Harris's group also understood that there was not going to be an offer from Jeff Bezos, then I think the, the process moves fairly quickly from there, where Dan says, okay, so this is what, what's in front of me right now is what I got, and I need to make a decision based on that. Do you have this sense that it was really important for Dan to get a six in front of the B in terms of the price? I think Dan wanted, usually in this process, people just want the highest number possible. Um, there, there may be a, a, a world in which he prefers one, one buyer over the other. Uh, but yeah, but most, most sellers just want the highest price possible, right? And, and, and there were talks at some point about whether this team would sell for, for $7 billion or more. I think pretty early in the process, it became very clear that that, uh, that, that was likely not going to happen. But I, I never got a sense that it may be true. I don't know, but I never got a sense that, yeah, there's some kind of hard drop. You gotta get me, you gotta get to this number or we don't do a deal. Um, but sure, I think it's fair to say that he just probably wanted the highest number he could get. Um, we're talking to Eben Novi Williams. He broke the news. Sportico was the first to break the news that there is an agreement, uh, at least in principle, for Josh Harris to buy the Commanders. There's still some T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted. You know, I was just reading a little while ago with my podcast partner, Tom Lavero, 
the Adam Schefter tweet just about Apostolopoulos and a source telling him that it's a head-to-head race, it's anybody's game. Um, obviously, you think it's it's Harris. It, it, do you think Apostolopoulos could be a, a, a late entrant into this thing before a deal's signed or not? From the people that we have talked to, no, I do not think that, that Apostolopoulos is still in, in the running. Um, the, the, the big caveat, I guess I would say there is that, is that Dan, uh, is, is, is fairly volatile as a businessman and a negotiator from what I understand. And, and who knows until, uh, his signature is on, is on that piece of paper exactly what's, what's in his mind. But the, the impression that we've gotten as, as we reported from people that we've talked to, uh, is that this is, they are exclusively going down this route with Josh Harris. They have an agreement on price. And again, it could be a matter of hours, uh, if, if not days, until a contract hits the uh, hits the NFL. You said that you think that the process after the agreement is signed and in place to to wrap this up and to get to closing and the money being wired, it will be a faster process because Josh Harris has been vetted. He's a small stakeholder in Pittsburgh. He was a bidder on the Denver team. I'm just curious, given that Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson probably have – well, let me ask you, how many additional investors do you know – um, are a part of this deal because it's been our understanding that Rails and Harris and Magic certainly don't have the $6 billion in total, that there are other limited partners in the deal. Your understanding is right. I, I don't know of right now for sure that I can say publicly other LPs that are part of this deal, but there are definitely going to be others. And one thing I'll say about the way these processes often unfold, it's sometimes easier to raise money from minority partners once a deal is reached. So Josh can, can, can turn to people who are thinking about investing in the commanders and say, hey, this is, I got this deal. It's a $6 billion deal. Let's talk about economics to see where you want to come in. Uh, so he may have some, some minority partners already part of this process. And I would not be shocked if there were other minority partners that, that join up or get announced at later dates as well. The, if you remember the, 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 uh, the Denver Broncos, which sold last year, a number of their investors, like Lewis Hamilton, the F1 driver, uh, like, like uh, Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State, right. some of those investors came on after Rob Walton's deal was reached to, to, to buy the Broncos for $4.6 billion. So, again, I think there's probably some LPs that are already committed, and I think there's going to be even more that likely join up uh, after this deal is done. One of the reasons I was asking is, don't they have to be vetted, too? They do. I mean, yes, again, as, as I mentioned with, with, with Harris, that the process for LPs is a little bit different from a, from a vetting process than the, than the controlling stakeholder, right? The NFL has very strict rules and, and has very strict requirements for the person who has to be the one to make decisions and spend the money if things go wrong, right? And someone who owns 5% of a team is not that person. So the, the process is a little bit different and, if, if we're talking about celebrities, sometimes that process is even a bit easier. Um, but yes, I, again, I think the, the the process to approve Mitchell and Josh as the two main money people here, I don't think it's going to be complicated. And I don't think it's going to take very long. All right. So what's not too long? When will we know that we officially have our team back in D.C. with a new owner? When will the yeah, closing think- happen? When will the money be wired? 
so the, the closing could could take a few weeks. It could be maybe even a little bit more than that. But I would not be shocked if next week there is an announcement that a deal has been reached. The NFL has looked at it. It's been signed. And then you get to the owners have to vote. You get to kind of the rubber stamp process that we're talking about. But the, the $6 billion is not going to be wired next week. That seems fast. Uh, there is an NFL owners meeting next month. That could be where a vote happens. They could try to figure out a way to do a vote beforehand. That would not shock me either. Um, but, yes, I think it's going to be a little bit longer until the, the absolute final dollars have hit bank accounts. But I don't think it's going to be too long before a little bit more details about the agreement are are going public and maybe even being announced. By the way, I mean, you may not know the answer to this, but given that Dan has a bunch of debt on this team, you know, roughly a billion dollars in debt, do those debt holders, don't they get paid out as part of the sale? I mean, they don't have to wait for him to get it and then become a receivable for him, right? That's a good question. And I don't I don't know the nature of the debt that he took out and, and, and where, where the priorities lie with that and what that process is. Okay. My, my gut says there's a chance that he gets this massive check and then he pays people back again. I don't I don't know exactly how all that how all that was structured. Um, but I it doesn't I don't think that that's the kind of thing that would hold up right. this process necessarily on on the buy side. Did you find out whether or not he got any of those indemnification you know requests that he wanted that were that were reported on that he wanted to be indemnified from any sort of future league legal issues and costs associated with it? I have not heard anything on that. It's, it's a really good question. I'm trying to find answers on that. Uh, one of the interesting kind of wrinkles in all that, again, is that there's so many people in and around the NFL, owners, uh, executives in the league's New York office, so many people want Dan out in Washington. And, again, part of this conversation, I think, is going to be when, when that is right on the horizon, uh, what are people willing to do? What, are they, what concessions are they willing to make to speed that process up? So I, I don't have the actual answer to that, but... I, I will be very curious, as, as you will, and I think a lot of people are going to be, about what, if there is any kind of agreement between the NFL and, and, and Dan on his way out, what right. that actually looks like. All right, two more. Um, what kind of owner do you think Josh Harris will be? Uh, Josh is going to be someone, and, and, and we can talk about the stadium briefly, Josh is going to be someone who's going to spend to make sure the, the, the stadium happens and is, and is world-class, and I would imagine he's also going to spend – in the other ways that NFL owners have the ability to influence teams, right? So anything from coaches to executives, things like that. He is um, in, in, in Philadelphia, as an example, right? He, uh, he's a co-owner of the 76ers. They're in the process right now of, of, of starting and building a, a very expensive downtown arena for, for the 76ers. He also owns the arena where the Devils play in New Jersey. He's well-versed in, in stadiums and, and the requirements of, of modern-day trappings of a of a good venue. Mitchell Rails obviously has a lot of experience, business ties, real estate ties in the D.C. area. I imagine he's also going to be critically uh, valuable and important uh, as a partner in trying to get the stadium stuff done. Um, but my guess is that is that Josh is going to spare no expense, especially at the start, making it clear to players, to the league, and I think most importantly to Commander's fans that this is a new era. Do you have any sense as to whether or not they'll explore um, changing the branding and the name again. I, I don't. It would be one of my first questions as well. I would. Um, I can guarantee that they've thought about it, and I would probably guarantee that they have an answer to that, uh, whether they want to go through that process, whether they would like to. Um, but again, I, I don't have an. I, I don't know for sure whether that's 
on their agenda or if they're happy with where things are um, or, or if they're going to push for something different. Eben Novi Williams, uh, at Novi underscore Williams on Twitter. Uh, Sportico, the first to have the news that there is an agreement in principle with Josh Harris and the Snyders for the team to be sold to the Harris uh, group. Uh, Eben, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's it for the day. I'll be back tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more information then. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.